Welcome to Russian History Retold, Episode 160, Leo Tolstoy, Manhood, Part 1. To all my regular listeners, I want to apologize for not getting out of podcast in quite a long time, but my family and I have moved to a new house, and we had to set up things like the internet, find an office so I could record the podcast, get everything actually working, and... Uh, finding everything for that matter. But we've got it done, and we're going to get back to a regular schedule of pretty much every other week getting out another episode. So here we go. Last time, we recounted the teenage and early adulthood of Leo Tolstoy. Today, we're going to delve into the beginning of his literary career, his time in the Caucasus, and the beginning of his service in the Crimean War. Now in his 20s, Leo had what we would call in German Wanderlust. He wanted adventure, but didn't know where to go or what to do. Now, his brother Nicholas, on the other hand, did. He joined the army and, being a Tolstoy, was able to pull some strings and got a commission as an officer. Leo, though, he wasn't sure if the army life was for him, so he joined his brother, but as a civilian in the rough-and-tumble territory we now know of today as Chechnya. There, alongside fellow Cossacks, they were in a constant tussle with the local Chechen Muslims, who, while not very fond of the Ottoman Turks, hated the Russian incursions into their territory even more. Tolstoy, though, was rarely in much danger, except for one incident where he and a friend had rode a little too far ahead of the men. But he was okay. They got away safely. But he saw the countryside he knew little about, but would help him base some of his future writings on. His keen observational skills were one of his most important abilities. If you knew Leo back then, you would likely know some of his characters in his books in real life. Now, there was a skill, or should I say lack of a skill, from his past that continued to follow him, and we'll be talking about that a lot more, and that's gambling. Well, the encampment that Leo and his brother were stationed at initially was at Staroglodkovskaya Stanitsa, in a small valley. It was not the beautiful place that Tolstoy had imagined. As he put it in his diary, quote, How on earth have I ended up here? I don't know. Why? I know even less. And then in a letter to his Antoinette, quote, I was expecting the country to be very beautiful. But it isn't at all. The stanitsa is on low ground, so there's no view, and the quarters are inadequate, along with every other amenity of life. As for the officers, they are, as you can imagine, an ignorant lot, but very decent fellows otherwise, and, above all, devoted to Nicholas. Soon, though, his detachment was sent to Fort Starry Yurt, where they were to protect patients convalescing at a nearby hot springs. Henry Troyat describes the scene beautifully in his amazing biography of Tolstoy. Quote, This time, he met the real Caucasus, the one he had dreamed about and begun to doubt the existence of, down in the hollow at Staroglodkovskaya. Sheer rock, dizzying paths, steam-draped boiling waterfalls. Three mills, one on top of the other, stood over the main stream, whose water was so hot that it would cook an egg in three minutes. 
the Tatar women did their laundry there and squeezed the water out by jumping up and down. Seated on the bank with his pipe in his mouth, Tolstoy delighted in the scene. It is here at Fort Starry Yurt that young Leo really got into his book about his childhood. During his downtime, when not writing, his gambling was becoming degenerate. You know, I, I live in Nevada, and many of you know this is kind of the gambling capital of the world, uh, and I would hesitate to use the word gamble as this would suggest some capability of winning, something that did not occur very often with Tolstoy. The debt load grew, and his pleas to family for money came more often. Soon, he began to sell off pieces of Yasnaya Polyana to pay off more and more of his debtors. He felt truly guilty about his losses, and it weighed heavily on him, but it wasn't embarrassing enough to make him stop. He always thought that he was just one big winning streak to bail himself out, which is so common in gamblers, and I see this all the time here. But in Leo's case, it really never came. Tiring of his civilian status with the troops, Leo appealed to his aunt to see if she could pull some strings so he could enlist without going through the normal channels. Instead of a quick transition, months went by before Tolstoy was finally admitted to the 20th Artillery Brigade, 4th Battery, the same as his brother Nicholas, on January 3, 1852. This delay due to the bureaucracy that plagued the Russian army was indicative of everything that was wrong with the military preceding the Crimean War. After the War of 1812, Russia was considered to be one of the great powers of the world, so much so that public opinion became very wary of their expansionist intentions around the world. The problem that came up was the bureaucracy that Catherine the Great had inserted into every layer of government, and now it was entrenched within the military. Nothing could be done without lots of people having to sign their names on orders, requisitions, for even the simplest of things. The entirety of the military operations became similar to a flow of molasses on a cold day. Interestingly, it was in these early days in the army that Tolstoy finished his first book. All the downtime gave him ample opportunity to write. It was a boring time to be in the military. What most of us think about today, we you know think about the military, you've got lots of training to do and all this other type of work, and you're always busy at something. Well, one of the worst parts about being in the Russian military was boredom. You simply didn't have a lot to do. So you would read, gamble, drink, and in Leo's case, you would write. Now, he had three choices as to where to submit his work. Could have been the Contemporary, Fatherland News, or the Reading Library. Tolstoy chose the Contemporary. The magazine he selected was founded by Alexander Pushkin, but was now directed by the famous poet Nikolai Alexeyevich Nekrasov. In his letter accompanying the manuscript, Leo wrote, quote, Sir, the favor I am going to ask of you will demand so little of your time that I am sure you will not refuse me. Glance through this manuscript and, if it is not worth printing, send it back to me. Otherwise, tell me what you think of it, send me whatever amount you think it is worth, and print it in your review. Actually, 
This is the first part of a novel that will cover four periods. The publication of the following parts will depend on the success of the first. I am eager to know your verdict. Either it will incite me to continue in my favorite occupation, or it will oblige me to burn everything I have begun. The manuscript was entitled Story of My Childhood and simply signed L.N. The return address was to Leo's brother, Count Nicholas Nikolaevich Tolstoy, second lieutenant of the artillery, for L.N. So now, here was a young man who on his birthday, August 28, 1852, wrote in his diary, quote, I am 24 years old and I have still done nothing. I'm sure it's not for nothing that I've been struggling with all my doubts and passions for the past eight years. But what am I destined for? Only time will tell. Shot three snipe. The next day he received a letter from Nekrasov. His destiny was about to change dramatically. On August 29, 1852, a little over a month after his submission, he received the following reply. I have read your manuscript. Without knowing the sequel, I cannot make any final judgment. But it seems to me that the author has talent. In any case, his ideas and the simplicity and reality of his subject form the unquestionable qualities of this work. If, as is to be expected, the sequel contains more animation and action, it will be a fine novel. Do send me the following sections. Your novel and your talent interest me. I advise you not to hide behind your initials, but immediately to begin publishing under your real name, unless you're to be only a bird of passage on the literary scene. I await your reply. Signed, Nekrasov. The career of one of the world's greatest writers was about to soar into the stratosphere. On October 31st, Leo received his copy of the Contemporary, and he was initially outraged that they had changed the title to simply Childhood. He got over it, and the minor other editorial changes, as he realized what he had just accomplished. Tolstoy was now a published author. The reception to his first book was nothing short of spectacular. Ivan Turgenev enthusiastically loved the book. Almost all reviews were glowing. The problem was, no one knew who L.N. was. His sister, Mariah, ah, she began to suspect that it was her brother, Leo, who wrote the book, as she saw herself and the rest of her family as characters in the novel. After a while, she knew it in her heart, that it was his work. What set childhood apart was the simplicity of the way Tolstoy explained things. As Troyat puts it, quote, He looked at the world with the eyes of a man who has read nothing and learned nothing, who was discovering everything for himself. He further goes on to explain, He applied this constant concern of sincerity and probity to his technique as well as to thought. He was not writing to please, but to translate the different aspects of life as faithfully as he could. By divesting his language of threadbare metaphor, he sought the shortest road from the object to the heart. 
The grand eloquent comparisons of a Lamartine drove him wild with anger. What a heap of rubbish, all those tears that resembled pearls and eyes sparkling like diamonds. Tolstoy wrote in an early draft of childhood in his diary, quote, I never saw lips of coral, but I've seen them in the color of brick, nor turquoise eyes, but have seen them the color of laundry bluing. Simplicity, reality, honesty. These three traits were to make Leo Tolstoy a giant in literary circles. Dostoevsky, who recently had been released from his prison time in Siberia, wrote, I like Leo Tolstoy enormously, but in my opinion, he won't write much of anything else. After all, I can be wrong. He was to be proven very wrong as Leo would begin work on his next installment, Boyhood, and quickly thereafter, Youth, right away. The writing bug had bitten the young man, and he let the world know who he was. Now, before I go any further with today's podcast, I want to read a snippet from Tolstoy's book, Childhood, from Chapter 2, entitled Mama. Mama was sitting in the parlor and pouring out the tea. In one hand, she held the teapot, with the other the faucet of the samovar, from which the water flowed over the top of the teapot upon the tray beneath. But though she was gazing steadily at it, she did not perceive it, nor that we had entered. So many memories of the past present themselves when one tries to revive and fancy the features of a beloved being, that one views them dimly through these memories, as through tears. These are the tears of imagination. When I try to recall my mother as she was at that time, Nothing appears to me but her brown eyes, which always expressed love and goodness. The mole on her neck, a little lower down than the spot where the short hairs grow. Her white embroidered collar, her cool, soft hand, which petted me so often, and which I so often kissed. But her image as a whole escapes me. To the left of the divan, stood the old English grand piano, and before the piano sat my dark-complexioned sister, Lyubochka, playing Dementi's studies with evident effort and with rosy fingers which had just been washed in cold water. She was eleven. She wore a short frock of coarse linen with white lace-trimmed pantalettes and could only manage an octave as an arpeggio. Beside her, half turned away, sat Maria Ivanovna, in a cap with rose-colored ribbons, a blue jacket, and a red and angry face, which assumed a still more forbidding expression when Karl Ivanich entered. She looked threateningly at him, and without responding to his salute, she continued to count and beat time with her foot. One two, three, more loudly and commandingly than before. The positive reviews for his book spurred Tolstoy on. He began to write The Raid, the novel of a Russian lord, and Boyhood, 
But when Leo submitted the raid, he was to have one of the first disappointments of his literary career. The short story was heavily edited by the authorities, as was very common in those days. The reactionary regime of Nicholas I kept a very firm grip on what was permissible in print. Nekrasov tried to soften the blow by writing the following, quote, I ask you not to be discouraged by these annoyances, from which all our great authors suffer. Sincerely, your story is very vivid and fine, even in its present form. Another disturbing incident occurred during this time that would really bother Tolstoy for the rest of his life. He was placed under arrest for missing a term at guard duty while playing chess, which stopped him from receiving the St. George Cross for a previous action, which was a very highly coveted award. Angrily, he tendered his resignation to General Brimmer, but of course that was refused. Leo had to live with the shame and disappointment as a member of the Russian army. In the background of European politics, Turkey was decaying, and the powers of the region all believed that it was their right to carve it up amongst themselves, with Russia and Tsar Nicholas I believing it was their birthright and religious right to take the largest chunk, especially Constantinople. The Russians, it seemed, were continually at war with the Ottomans for centuries. They were on their border, of course, so they rightfully or wrongfully believed that they were the natural ones to take over disputed territories. They also were the subject of raids into their lands for centuries, whereby many Russians were sold into slavery. Well, that and the Orthodox issue. Constantinople, for many, many hundreds of years, was the seat of the Orthodox Church, and they believed that it was handed to Moscow when the city fell to the Ottomans back in 1453. Now, the city, according to Nicholas and many Russians, should be in the hands of an orthodox ruler, if and when it fell. Tsar had a firm belief that he had been ordained by God to take the city back. The British, French, and of course the Ottomans, well, they had other ideas. It was with this backdrop that Leo Tolstoy was to plunge into the Crimean War. His experience in the war was to help him with his novel War and Peace. Now, before all of you get your shorts in a bunch right now, it is about the Napoleonic invasion of Russia, War and Peace. We know that. But his first-hand involvement in battle in the Crimean War helped him to bring the realism he was so famous for. So he was not in the War of 1812, and he had to write about it. So his education, you might say, in the Crimean War was what taught him what battle was like, what it was like to go through a war. And in that case, the War of 1812. His first action came in the Battle of Silistria in 1854. And this is something that I find very interesting. Uh, when he was writing home, he's a man who was known for his pacifism in the, the future, uh, his absolute horror of war. He wrote, quote, It's true. It's a funny sort of pleasure to see people killing each other. And yet, every morning and evening, I would get up onto my cart and spend hours at a time watching. And I wasn't the only one. The spectacle was truly beautiful, especially at night. And then, as quickly as it started, the fight ended, because the Austrians and Prussians threatened to intervene in the Balkans, 
if Russia continued to pursue its agenda there. Knowing that a combined force with Britain and France would be formidable, Nicholas backed off. What he hadn't realized is that the British were coming, led by our old friend, Lord Raglan. Stuck on the Danube, Tolstoy began to read voraciously, as A.N. Wilson puts it in his biography of the writer. The authors he studied included Dickens, Lermontov, and Goethe. For many months, there was little to do except write and observe, both things Leo was quite good at. Again, very boring being in the Russian military. Now, one passage describing a scene that I find really beautiful as he's sitting there on the Danube waiting for something to happen. Quote, The landlady's pretty daughter was reclining at her window, leaning like me on her elbows. A barrel organ passed along the street, and when the sounds of a good waltz receding further and further into the distance had completely died away, the girl gave a deep sigh, got up, and moved quickly from the window. I felt so sad, yet happy, that I couldn't help smiling, and long continued to look at my street lamp, whose light was sometimes obscured by the branches of a tree swaying in the wind, and the sky, and all these things seemed to me even better than before. The beauty of his prose can be seen in that short paragraph. You can place yourself in the scene, and feel the breeze, and see the young girl. Such was his brilliance. After a while, in July of 1854, he received a transfer from the Danube to the Crimea through the intervention of his father's friend, Prince Gorchakov. At first, he was stationed at Kishinev until November when he was transferred to the 5th Light Battery of the 12th Artillery Brigade. His unit had suffered great casualties at the Battle of Inkerman. Tolstoy wrote, Horrible slaughter. It will weigh on the souls of many. Lord, forgive them. He saw that this war was different from the War of 1812. In that war, men were dying to protect their country. In this war, it was mass incompetence that caused the most loss of life. The winter of 1854, flowing into 1855, saw Tolstoy taking his gambling to a new level of depravity. By late January, his losses mounted to such a degree that he was forced to sell off the remainder of his childhood home. As Leo put it, quote, played Stoss for two days and nights. The result is understandable. The loss of everything. The Yasnaya Poliano house. I think there's no point in writing. I'm so disgusted with myself that I'd like to forget about my existence. One would think that this tragic loss, his childhood home, the place where all his fond memories was gone, would end his gambling addiction, but it only further fueled it. His losses continued, although not as great as previously. Then Russia changed in a flash when Nicholas I died. Tolstoy took his oath to the new Tsar Alexander II. Still, the war was to continue with the siege of Sevastopol, an event that Leo was to participate in firsthand. <laughs>
Join me next time as we follow Leo Tolstoy at the Battle of Sevastopol as he continues his career as one of the world's greatest writers. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. So now, as always, Das Vidanya y Spasiba Bolshoya.